Well, thank you, uh, Glenda, for hosting this wonderful convening uh, and for that lovely introduction. Uh, Gina, thank you for the warm-up. Um, I was looking at my fellow speakers table over here. It was amazing how agile they all are. are. The, the amount of rhythm among all the speakers, myself included, uh, would certainly uh, qualify as something like entropy, I guess, would be a good word. <laughs> um, so, uh, and it's pretty cool to have the HS Squared group here. Um, I didn't know you were going to be here. I think this talk is actually really written for you. So uh, I'll, uh, maybe we'll have a chance to talk later about what you think about it. Um, uh, at, uh, at the Aspen Institute works across the country and around the world to promote a free, just, and equitable society. We bring together and build networks of values-driven leaders who make positive change in many different areas, from education to entrepreneurship, from economic growth to national security. I was invited to talk today about mindset, which is perfect because it gives me the opportunity to um, workshop a bit a book that I'm writing which proclaims the value of residential liberal arts education um, by examining some of the major mindsets that this type of education cultivates in students. And you might be asking yourselves, well, why does the value of higher education need, even need to be proclaimed right now? Um, and the answer to, uh, is because more than any time in our history, higher education is a highly contested terrain. Both Republicans and Democrats constantly criticize our higher education system. Um, Republicans typically over cost and political correctness, Democrats typically over student debt and the underrepresentation of lower income students in highly selective schools. We've had a decade of divestment in public higher education with 40 states currently spending less on higher education today than they were before the 2008 recession. And just this week in Alaska, there is a devastating debate going on about whether or not the legislature and the governor will immediately, with no phase-in, cut 41% of the funding from that system, which will throw Alaskan public higher education into complete turmoil. There have been a number of highly visible controversies um, uh, over the last few years, like, obviously, the Varsity Blues admission scandal, the Me Too and Title IX debates, speaker disruptions in many places, and an endless number of athletic scandals. We've also seen uh, new and I'd say unprecedented federal regulation of higher education in recent years, including uh, a new endowment tax that uh, is affecting something like 40 uh, uh, institutions today and is, uh, is almost certain to be expanded in the years to come. Now at the same time that all that is happening, there's also ample evidence of the immense value of higher education in a democratic and capitalist system like our own. The Harvard economist Raj Chetty has documented through Nobel Prize level research that, um, on economic mobility that students from poor families who go to leading colleges and universities have a 50% chance of, of becoming top earners. Georgetown's education and workforce researcher uh, Anthony Carnevale reports that and found in his research that a quote, a bachelor's degree is worth $2.8 million on average more over a lifetime, 84% uh, more than a high school diploma alone. And the research of the college board shows other kinds of benefits 
to higher education. I'm quoting a College Board report. College education is associated with healthier lifestyles, reducing health care costs. Adults with higher levels of education are more active citizens and others more involved in their children's activities. Furthermore, we know that every single day between now and 2029, 10,000 baby boomers will retire. Whose work and what type of jobs will cover the Social Security and Medicare costs of the 50 to 60 million members of America's largest and longest living generation? And the answer is today's college students and tomorrow's college students. I would also would argue that a great college education has become even more valuable today than the sort of backward-looking research shows given the escalating rate of change in our science and technology-driven global economy. Every country's prosperity and peace will be defined by the intellectual capabilities and mindsets of its citizens. This matters especially as we enter an era when, thanks to artificial intelligence, every job that can be automated will be, and everything from accountants to truck drivers and so much more. What can't be automated is the mind. While highly selective colleges and universities aren't the answer to every national need, obviously, they play a critical role in helping talented young people build the intellectual abilities and mindsets to take on the defining challenges of the day. Think about some of the things we are facing as a people right now, um, coping with and reversing climate change, wrestling with the, with the implications of dramatically new technologies like AI and CRISPR, conducting diplomacy now in an ever more fraught and flat global horizon, with weapons of destruction so much more easily available both to states and non-state actors, helping our country adapt to historic demographic change, the graying of America of our seniors combined with the browning of our population, especially the young. These aren't challenges that we can outsource to some other generation later that will have the chance to go to college. We need to prepare our citizens today to take on these challenges. There's just no substitute for uh, an active, engaged population taking on the challenges that define our generation. All of those challenges require citizens who can think, research, write, compute, and create new knowledge. We're crazy if we think America can lead in a global era of information and technology change without a deep reservoir of, of intellectually, and I would say emotionally empowered, young people. And that's where college comes in. There's no better tradition or system that we have today to help 18 to 22 year olds by the millions, develop the knowledge, skills, habits, and most importantly for now, mindsets they need that will give them the agility to tackle constantly cha changing challenges for which training alone is insufficient. I believe this argument needs to be made effectively and strongly because the continued erosion of public support for higher education will ultimately diminish the capabilities of our people and thus threaten our democratic way of life. If people are America's greatest natural asset, we need fresh and informed arguments about the value of investing in the intellectual and personal formation of the young. And that's what my book will be about. 
The title is going to be called, it's going to be called Involve, the value of college for today and tomorrow. And here's what I hope will make it distinctive. First, my thesis, which is that there, an under-recognized benefit of college with its abundance of faculty mentors and opportunity-rich campus ecosystems is that it fosters the development of five empowering mindsets in 18 to 22-year-olds. And by that, by mindset, what do I mean? With gratitude to the researcher of Carol Dweck, I mean the attitudes, dispositions, beliefs, or experiential life lessons so firmly held by the individual that they consistently, constantly shape one's choices and behavior. Another distinction of, of this book, I hope, will be my own vantage point as the author in that both as a college professor, but then as a college president who was highly engaged in the day-to-day -day experience of the student body and who helped to move my institution, Franklin and Marshall, um, and I hope in some ways the sector, to enroll more talented students from the full American mosaic by building pipelines to rural and urban communities and schools where the top schools haven't been recruiting strong students even though they're there in abundance. A third um, distinction, I hope, of the book is that uh, the method. It's not brain research. You're going to get a lot of that today, I think. But it's a more anthropological and humanistic approach, which is to provide compelling, thick description of dozens of promising young people whose formation I've been a part of and whose growth and mindset I've been able to observe firsthand. And the book will provide uh, story after story from inside the student experience about the change of great college education. What I'm really doing with this book is providing a form of pattern recognition concerning early adult development, which I hope will both catalyze further research in this topic and also perhaps promote some changes in our college system, or at least discussion about possible changes, to place our emphasis in college more squarely on the cultivation and activation of young people's talent. So the title of the book comes from a quote from Ben Franklin. He wrote, tell me and I forget, teach me and I remember, involve me and I learn. And I think there's no substitute for caring adults involving ourselves in the lives and formation of the young. The quote leads to what I hope will be also seen as the, maybe the key takeaway of the book besides whatever insights I have to offer about these five mindsets. And that is if we value the development of the young, then America's best colleges must reprioritize the day-to-day, week-to-week mentoring of students by faculty and other educators. The individual touch is essential in the formation of these five mindsets. So what are they? Um, the first one is the mindset to become an active and lifelong learner, the creator of one's education, in contrast to being a passive consumer of information. And to the, to the students who are here today, I think this is one of the most important things you can internalize, that you are responsible for the creation of your education. It's not a present, it's not a product that you can buy, you, we, create it. Why is this important? Because the mindset for active learning means that the individual takes responsibility for understanding, 
and interpreting the world. Now, who, who embodies this? As I said, my book will profile a range of representative students who have become the authors of their education through especially the mind-to-mind -mind engagement direct with faculty. And I'll tell a set of stories. For each mindset, today I'll just present one story. So here's one. Eddie Alsina from Miami is now in a PhD program in clinical psychology at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. I met him when he was a senior in high school, uh, accepted to Franklin and Marshall College with a strong interest in science, both because he had really, really good grades and because his father had come down with cancer, and so he saw science as a calling. The short version of Eddie's college experience, which was intellectually transformational from a very strong starting point, um, was that intensive engagement with faculty and increasingly more personalized mentoring kindled a fire within him to chase after discoveries that he hadn't known to look for when he started college. So then four specific aspects of his education reinforced this mindset to be the creator of his own learning. First, during his very first year of college, even before he had completed one science class, a professor named Rob Jinks brought him into his lab to start doing research on genetic conditions in children. And second, his intense science classes, his first two years, small classes directly taught by faculty, not by TAs, taught him that even more important than getting the right answer was understanding the methods and reasoning that delivered that answer. It moved him above the question to understand the method to get to the answer. Third, every summer, Eddie was able to hold research positions, including two summers at University of Colorado in Boulder, on topics as disparate as heart enlargement in mice and depression in senior citizens, broadening his understanding by working directly with researchers about how scientific concepts are enmeshed in all aspects of society and life. Being, a, being able to witness faculty mentors in their searching sort of uh, journey to break through and create new knowledge allowed him to see firsthand the mindset and envision himself holding it to be a creator of new knowledge. And then fourth, he took all kinds of exciting classes outside of science and STEM, giving him a perspective on how other methods approach the search for knowledge, giving him an endless stream of faculty from all fields who were able to talk with him individually and personally as his own goals developed. Um, and because a big part of the college experience is not just learning material, but it's also learning yourself. So all of that, I would call an involved education, with adults involving themselves in the formation of the young, as Franklin challenges us to do. Um, and this idea of the active learner is, is perhaps one of the most important things we could want for our children. Passive learners answer questions. Active learners ask the hard questions that no one's ever posed. Active learners read the signals of change and adapt quickly to shape-shifting frontiers of knowledge. Active learners hunt down answers and look around the bend. Active learners show the imagination to create or to connect ideas or fields. 
the ability to integrate thought and personal experience, the ability to build the foundations of future knowledge, the independence to offer one's own interpretation, the yearning to engage a new book or a problem or a field with nothing but your own intellectual faculties, and know that working freely and independently, you can succeed again and again, because that is your mindset. The second mindset is to invent, innovate, and make a direct impact on one's surroundings, which is practically the default culture on opportunity-rich campuses where many students are seeking to create a club or a cause or a work of art or a small business. This mindset for making is important because it's part of the vital creative center of a society. Invention and innovation are the crossroads where people meet and make the world in which they want to live. Innovation demonstrates the fact that we can act upon our surroundings, that we have agency. I see innovation as hope and action. And education should equip young people with that mindset to become creators. Who embodies this? Well, here's Alex Zavala, a Mexican-American student from Pennsylvania who majored in French and psychology and minored in studio art while studying abroad. Going into her senior year of college, Alex had the choice of whether or not to do an integrative senior pro project, bringing together disparate aspects of her education. And she talked with her mother about what she might make. Their conversation strayed to a terrible tragedy that had occurred in Mexico the year before. Maybe you've heard about it. When a bus of 43 college students was abducted, was taken by drug cartels, and all the students were murdered. Alex thought about that and realized if her family hadn't come to America, she could have been on that bus because they were her age and they were college students. And she wondered if she could make a work of art and culture that would educate people on campus and the United States about an atrocity that understandably is barely known here. She reflected upon the courses she had taken in language, anthropology, and psychology, and reading that she had done on migration. And somehow, it all came together. She assigned herself the task of making portraits of 43 different Franklin and Marshall classmates who were born in Mexico, and then assembling those portraits in a way that, that was juxtaposed with portraits of the 43 murdered students. This is just one of the portraits of the Franklin and Marshall students. She used an advanced layering technique that combined evocative photos with maps of the provinces where the F&M student was from, and then icons from the current US community where they live, Los Angeles, Houston, Philadelphia, and more. She called this work of art, Hasta la Reis, Down to the Root. Two faculty members worked tirelessly with her on this concept, the composition, the printing, the display. At the end of the senior year, when she presented it to the campus, the whole place went nuts because of the insights that she was able to present. It was so good that the college's museum purchased it for our permanent collection. This is what I mean by the mindset to create. Whether a venture or a play or a solution, the relentless human desire to shape one's own personal tattoo upon the landscape, to make an impact that would never happen but for one's own unique will and skill. This fire to create is the engine of any great college campus and it activates a mindset society needs in our students. Now I have to make a pause for a second to uh, Glenda because I'm seeing signs that there's only a minute to go. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna just summarize the next three uh, mindsets and then uh, wish you the best for your continued discussion of all these matters. <laughs> but here's the third one is the mindset to collaborate 
as teammates and tackle challenges that no individual can solve alone. Katrina Wachter, who's now uh, an Army doctor, who was educated at Franklin and Marshall College, is the example of that. She worked as part of a team that wrote a constitution for the entire residential community or college house that she lived in that shaped her entire understanding of how to work together to solve problems that no individual can address alone. The fourth one is the mindset to mentor, which is what happens all day long, always on a college campus, the passing on of critical skills and investing in one's successors, fostering success in others. Because college campuses work cyclically. A new class comes. The, the, the class ahead of them advances. There's a constant transfer of knowledge and experience from one student to the other on teams and clubs uh, about the registration process, about the major, a constant mentoring or paying it forward, which is part of citizenship in a democracy. And then the fifth mindset that I think is crucial, that kind of brings it all together, is the mindset to strive. And by striving, I mean to push forward relentlessly to develop one's promise, to achieve one's goals, to explore growth for its own sake. Not simply to hit a goal, but to go for growth constantly, relentlessly, a fire inside, never to stop pushing, never to stop climbing, because the climb itself is where value and meaning in life are found. And all across college campuses, young people are doing that. The one I'd like to talk about is named Carolina Giraldo, who's an immigrant to America from Colombia, who was recruited because she was a brilliant uh, science student, who ended up having to relearn how to study science in college from the high school method and did it, became a creator of knowledge, but wasn't just that. She wanted to row, she wanted to draw, she wanted to be a leader on campus in all those different ways, pushed herself, pushed herself constantly. When her father dropped dead halfway through her college career and everybody thought she'd go back to Miami to take care of her mom, her mom called me and said, she will not leave that campus until she's holding a college degree that young person came back and pushed and pushed forward, not just to complete, but to maximize every learning opportunity she could possibly have. That's what I mean by the mindset to strive. Those five mindsets are so much a part of the best college experiences, to create learning, to be able to make inventions that impact your community, to be able to work as a teammate, to be able to mentor and pass along knowledge as a citizen one to another, and finally, to accept inside the burning call to constantly strive. This is what our country needs. This is what it will take for us to meet the challenges of our day. Students with these kinds of mindsets, which only come from the direct engagement with adults who care about their formation and with uh, equally motivated peers also pushing forward optimistically to become the very best they can be for themselves and for our society. And that's the value of college. Thanks so much for listening.